0: Three Triple out. Ninety-two point three FM. The following program is in English. Thank you? To life, l'chaim. L'chaim. L'chaim, l'chaim, to, life.
1: to life, You're tuned in to Lachaim to life with your host Morris Klein, who just happens to be my baby brother. Shalom Aleichem, it's Lachaim time to life, Jewish life and more. Well, most of Australia is still in a lockdown insanity. I have always been of the view that the cure is far worse than the disease, because you don't shut down economies. Time will tell. I reminded our Lachaim listeners last week that JIF, the Jewish International Film Festival, was just around the corner in late October. Well, the cholera COVID lockdown has put a hold on that, with GIF now being postponed to February, March next year, 2022. So for lovers of Jewish and Israeli movies and TV shows, as I also mentioned last week, Haiflix is now streaming in Australia and New Zealand with exclusive new Jewish-themed and Israeli content added weekly. Try it for free today at haiflix.com.au and you can use the code Muzzletov in capital letters for fifty percent off your first six months, it's billy cheap as chips as it is anyway. Maury Frankel's guest is former Israel ambassador to Australia, Yuval Rotem. You're tuned into Lachaim, to life, Jewish life and more. Part of the Jewish group here at ninety-two point three FM, three triple Z. Don't change that dial. Just over a year ago, former Israeli ambassador
2: to Australia, Yuval Rotem retired after 35 years of distinguished service to the State of Israel. In 2003, he received the rank of an ambassador by Benjamin Netanyahu, then the foreign minister, making Uval the youngest career diplomat with the rank of an ambassador in the foreign ministry up until 2014. His distinguished diplomatic career had innumerable highlights, including being chief spokesman for Israel's permanent mission to the UN, and also for the Consul General of Israel in New York and Consul General of Israel in Los Angeles, California. Of course, we here in Australia remember Yuval most fondly as the ambassador to Australia between the years 2007 to 2013, during which time he earned the friendship and respect of the Jewish community, politicians and journalists. He was appointed Director General of the Foreign Ministry in 2016 and retired from that position last year. Welcome to Lahaim Yoval, who is joining us from Tel Aviv.
0: Thank you so much, Maury, for inviting me to uh, take part of this interview.
2: A year ago, the United Arab Emirates and the U.S. signed off with Israel on the Abraham Accords. And this normalization agreement was then broadened to include Bahrain, Sudan and Morocco. Nuval, what do you see as the most important aspects of this normalisation process at the time of signing and how they played out over the 12 months
0: since then? Maury, I think that uh, uh, this development is definitely uh, is one of the most important and the most significant steps that we have seen in the modern history of the Middle East. Many articles and many research and many interviews took place about this issue. But I will try to say that there are, I think, three elements that, from my perspective, are the most important to pay attention to. The number one is the fact that there's a change of the paradigm with respect to this uh, peace process. Until this Abraham Accords, we have seen one type of process in respect to the Middle East, when the Palestinians had a role to play and also has a veto over any other Arab member to go forward with any of their interests with respect to the Middle East. What you've seen over here is that even though Palestinians do not have at this stage an ongoing process, Arab countries have decided that it is time for them to move forward with their relationship with Israel. And I think that the idea that the Palestinians don't have any more de veto power over Arab countries in terms of advancing their own interests in the region is a very, very significant for the future. This is number one. Number two, is that I think it's cemented one more time the leadership of the United States and its consequences for the Middle East. Without America in the region, it is going to be very difficult to move forward. And I think that what you have seen, with all the difficulties that people might have about President Donald Trump, because of Donald Trump, I think we have seen a change in the region to the extent that we have seen Arab countries moving forward with support and the blessing of the United States to bring about Israel into this equation of peace. I think that all those efforts and all those players who think that America is not necessary in the process, This is one more time uh, an important, I think, manifestation that American leadership is required if you want to bring stability and prosperity and peace into the Middle East. And third, I think that it's basically, it's a reflection and recognition of what we have seen in the last few years, the change of the landscape strategically in the region. The idea that Arab-Israeli, or Arab or Israeli-Palestinian conflict is the only conflict in the Middle East, has moved away to a more wider recognition that there are more elements and more conflicts in the region but affecting the fate and the destiny of the people in the region. So when a country like Yemen is firing missiles made in Iran all the way from Yemen into Riyadh in Saudi Arabia, in order to kill as many as possible Saudis on the ground, this has nothing to do with the Arab Israeli conflict. When you see Libya disintegrated in front of your eyes, it has nothing to do with the Israeli Palestinian conflict. So the idea that you have not conflict, but conflicts in the Middle East, and many of them are a threat to the survival or to the very regime that exists in a certain parts of the Arab world wrote many of them to identify Israel not anymore as the enemy, but also, or maybe, as I, I don't want to say friend, but between friend and enemy, mm-hmm. you have one more definition that we call frenemy.
2: Yeah.
0: But the idea that you can take Israel from the column of enemy is critical. So it is important to see and to acknowledge that the change strategically also brings to maybe a fourth element, which I, I, I thought now that I should say. When Israel was reestablished in 1948, the concept of David Ben-Gurion, the prime minister, the founding father of Israel, was that Israel should cooperate and partner with many non-Arab countries in the region to address the Arab threat. So Israel had a tie with Iran connection with Turkey, and good diplomatic relationship with Ethiopia. What you see, more in the last few years, that we now working together with Arabs to deal and to address a non-Arab threat to the region, Iran, for example. So I think that it's a remarkable change. And I think what you've seen in this Abraham Accords is the ability of American leadership to cement these changes into a formal agreement that I think can bring a, a lot more stability into the region.
2: Well, thank you for that. It's uh, extremely informative. And in relation to your last point, what do you think the reaction would have been within the Iranian hierarchy to the normalizations uh, that we've just discussed?
0: Well, I don't think we need to think. We have witnessed a lot of reaction from Iran throughout the last year. The gentleman that was just yet elected as president of Iran uh, is definitely not going to be on the side of prosperity, stability and the peace. Whenever you look for stability, you don't need to look for Iran because they are just bringing the counter efforts just to undermine stability in any region. This is the way for them to operate in the region. So I think that you don't need to be a scholar of political science and Middle East history to understand that on that issue, Iran has a very strong negative reaction to any normalisation, not just between Israelis and Arabs, to any normalisation of any kind in the region.
2: So you're saying that there's really no change in, in that area. I mean, their reaction is much the same as it would have been without the normalisation. They go on their uh, their path No,
0: I think they factor in that there is a change now. Mm -hmm. Because Israel now is cooperating with countries that are neighboring Iran. To be a friend of Bahrain and to be a friend of the United Arab Emirates, it means that you have two countries just very close to the Iranian country. So this is basically a change strategically Mm -hmm. in the way Iran needs to see the region develops. But that doesn't mean that they have any positive view yeah. about this change. On the contrary, Iran will do anything they can, I guess, to undermine any country who is not Shia in the region, because they believe in this ideology and theocracy to push forward their own revolution beyond the border of Iran. More at this stage, while we're talking, Iran is practically controlling four Arab countries. Lebanon, which is a basically country in collapse. Syria, who may exist geographically but not politically. Iraq and Yemen. So at this stage, Arab countries, four of them, are basically under the control or the influence of Iran. And this is when Iran doesn't have yet the capabilities for nuclear weapons. I don't want to imagine what kind of code of behavior and code of conduct these guys are going to pursue if, God forbid, they are going to have this weapon at their disposal. Well, they're certainly heading in that direction. If they are heading to that direction, uh, that could be a question that needs to be addressed by the superpowers or whether they want to have a member of their club, a country like Iran, openly, uh, without any kind of disclaimer, speaking in Arabic, speaking in Farsi, or in English, about the idea to eliminate a member of the United Nations, mm. which is Israel.
2: Yeah,
0: I don't thing that we have seen in modern time, a threat of this kind, and the most important thing is to see if there's going to be action or inaction by the superpowers to that threat. In terms
2: of the Palestinian issue, there appears to be two schools of thought in relation to how the Accords will influence the, uh, the problem. One has it that Arab states that maintain diplomatic relations with Israel historically play a more active role in supporting Palestinian aspirations than those that do not. And the other is that agreements will push the Palestinians to further resistance.
0: How do you see these two views? I have some difficult to understand. What do you referring to Palestinian leadership? Because at this stage, Maury, we have two entities in the Palestinian school of thought. They use the school of Hamas and the school of Fatah. So it's like Noah's Arch. You have two of each kind. You have two leaders and two governments and two territories. And you have two kind of, uh, of concepts. What going to be their view or their vision about Israel? So first of all, we need to understand what the Palestinian are up to. If they are going to continue to be against any kinds of accommodation with Israel, this Abraham Accord taught us a lesson that Arabs may move forward without the Palestinians. So if the Palestinians are not going to come on board to some degree of negotiation, uh, I think that they are going to be just left behind. And this is not good for Israel too, because stability means that some hope needs to be injected into this process. I don't know whether in the age of 86, Mahmoud Abbas has the power, the will, or the desire to negotiate with Israel. He hasn't done it with four years under Trump. He hasn't done it eight years under Obama. So I'm not so sure that this is going to be his option now, given his age and given the division that you have at this stage within the Palestinian camp. One thing is for sure. Inaction on their side or rejection on their side means that more Arabs will have more leverage and more, I would say, ability to move forward and advancing their own interests unrelated to the interests of the Palestinians. You have already four countries in the Arab world that have expressed that publicly and openly signing the agreement of Abraham Accords.
2: Yeah, one wonders what a Palestinian state actually means. Countries and uh, even our uh, Labour Party here wanting to recognize a Palestinian state. But as you've said, it's a divided
0: community. We just need to ask your friends in the Labour Party in Australia, what kind of Palestinian talk are they relating to? To the one that Hamas has in mind or to the one of Fatah has in mind? So this is a good question for them to address. But to ignore it by the Labour Party is also overlook the real issue here. The issue is, as far as you know, was never since 1948, the partition plan was never about a Palestinian state. It was about Jewish state existence. So if you support Hamas kind of view, you're insinuating that Israel has no role to play and Israel doesn't have a right Mm. to have its own country.
2: Well, I'm afraid we're running out of time, but in the remaining few moments, how do you rate the performance of the new Israeli government both locally and internationally?
0: Well, it's a new government, it's only seven weeks old. Mm. It's a very unusual structure of a government which is very difficult against to maintain and to manage. I don't think that we're already in a stage to pass a judgment on their performance. Uh, They are preoccupied, like many countries in the world, of dealing and addressing the Delta variant of of COVID-19. And this is going to be, at least for the next few weeks, definitely the most important item on their agenda. So the international related issues uh, are relevant and important for a country like Israel, but it's definitely there only after the corona issue. However, in Israel, you can have a new date almost every day with a security challenge Mm -hmm. or geostrategic challenge. So, what's taking place in our neighborhood, whether it's Lebanon or it's Syria or it's Iran or Iraq or Egypt or even, you know, um, Eastern Mediterranean basin, there are so many issues. Around us. So, for any government to succeed, it is important to stay focused on the agenda and not to step on some mines that others are trying to plant for us in order to get exploded.
2: Thank you very much, uh, Yuval. it's been a tremendous pleasure chatting with you and uh, as you were uh, during your ambassadorship here in Australia, very forthright in your opinions and we really appreciate uh, the way that you've handled the questions.
0: A chance to wish all the audience uh, shanatova.
2: Thank you, yes. And
0: let day. us hope that we can go, all of us, to a normal life as soon as possible.
2: Yes, well, we can uh, we can hope and pray for that former Director-General of the Foreign Ministry of Israel and former Israeli Ambassador to Australia, Yuval Rotem, thank you very much for joining us on L'Chaim with your valuable insights into the politics of this complex region of the world. Very much appreciated. All the very best. Thank and you. Thank you again, Yuval.
0: Thank you, Maureen. Stay well. Thank you.
1: Well, that's another L'Chaim wrapped up with excellent guests, former Israel Ambassador to Australia, Yuval Rotem, Rosh Hashanah is fair him just around the corner. If you're looking for some kosher honey to bring in the sweet new year, check out Hevra Honey, 100% raw, sustainable kosher honey from the front and backyards of our local community. There is a great full-page article on Hevra Honey in the August 6th Australian Jewish News. Hevra Honey can be purchased from hevrahoney.com.au or by visiting the garden shop at 45 Northcote Avenue, Caulfield North. Our regular Laheim listeners will recall that one of our previous guests was Judah Firestone with B'nai Brith Showcase, fostering Jewish musical talent. Well, it's time to tell you that the BB Vic Showcase Finals concert is this Sunday, the 29th of August at one thirty pm So don't miss the opportunity to hear some of the best up-and-coming young musical talents in our community. Please book now at www.trybooking.com dot com, forward slash, capital B-T-D-P-J. B'nai Brif, showcase fostering Jewish musical talent. I'm delighted to let our listeners know that Lachaim has teamed up with J-Wire, a digital Jewish news daily for Australia and New Zealand, which is produced in Sydney by Henry Benjamin, an old schematologist like yours truly. Last week's Lachaim interview with Senator Sarah Henderson was part of last Sunday's j I've been receiving J-Wire for a number of years now. It's well worth subscribing to The Daily J-Wire free of charge at www.jwire.com.au Murray's guest next week will be Sharon Lowe with The Social Blueprint, a comprehensive one-stop shop for all Victorian Jewish community needs. It is a new hub that connects people to Jewish-focused organisations, services, businesses and events. The Social Blueprint embraces all without judgment. Click on the socialblueprint.org.au and click on Jewish Life in the top of the menu. You will see some of our Jewish group's recordings there. I'm looking forward to hearing all about the community's new hub. My guest next week is Lieutenant Colonel Reserve Sarit Zahavi with her NGO ELMA, which monitors security issues on Israel's northern borders. Zaritza Javi and Elmer are the first go-to people for many, many major media organizations around the world when things are happening in the north of Israel. We will have an update on Hezbollah's latest activities, Iran, and sadly, Lebanon imploding. Right, you'll find in about 15 minutes to half an hour, a recording of tonight's L'Chaim program at 3zzz.com.au. Click on the down arrow in the Listen to a Show square and scroll down to the Jewish group. You'll find it there. Links to YouTube recordings of tonight's interviews will be posted to the Lachaim and Morris Klein Facebook pages tomorrow. Please check out the other two programs that make up the Jewish group here at 3 Z: The Hebrew Hour, Shabbat Shalom, 3pm on Friday and the Yiddish Hour, 11am on Sunday. If you'd like to contact us here at Lachaim, our email is lchaim. 3zzz at gmail.com. For only $16, please consider becoming a member of the Jewish group here at 3 Triple Z. and for seniors it's just eleven dollars. Again, click on 3zzz.com.au. Many thanks again to Team Lachaim, Dr. George Banky, the executive producer, Dr. Maury Frankel and Jeff Deegan. So thank you for tuning in and please join us again next week on Lachaim. My name is Maurice Klein. I'm Yisrael Chai, and peace.
0: Thank you.